Thank you for listening to the Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. Please tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Around the Net Post Tennis Podcast. I'm joined today uh, by Jacob Andrus, the stats man himself. Um, Chip has uh, decided to prioritize his uh, paid job over this, so um, we see where his priorities are at. We're, We're a man down. We're going to have to put him on some sort of performance plan for the days off that he's having early on here. Only been with us a month. He's already taken three days off. But uh, to make up for that, we're joined uh, by special guest Cam Price, known on YouTube as at Cam Price 99. Uh, Cam, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for coming on. How, how's things been recently? Yeah, no, it's all good. Just been doing a lot of the YouTube recently. Um, takes a lot of time, a lot of coaching, a lot of hitting. So. My days are pretty packed, full on tennis all round, on and off the court. Yeah, no, that's what we love to see, though. If you, uh, you know, might as well get it in before you before you get old. Exactly. I want to start with the YouTube stuff. You've got a, you know, a channel that's that's been out for a, you know, quite a while. What what made you want to start that? Um, you know, how are you producing those videos, and, and what sort of interactions are you getting? I started the YouTube channel about ten months ago now. Um, I really kind of only really started thinking about it when I actually had some problems with my health um, back about a year and a half ago. So I actually got COVID. And then after I got COVID, I was, didn't really think much of it, started playing again. And then I was in the gym. And then once I was in the gym, starting to ramp up my exercise, trying to get back to like match intensity sort of stuff, I started experiencing some problems with my heart. Um, and then so I went to the doctors, I couldn't really figure out what was going on. And then um, they put like this ECG monitor on and I had to like exercise with the ECG monitor on. And then when I was doing that, then I'd like essentially passed out for a few seconds. And then I realized that my heart was stopping for like periods of time whilst I was doing intense exercise. And so I basically just had to rest for a while. And then I guess once the COVID got out of the system, don't, don't really know exactly what happened, but after a long period of resting, then I got back to normal, I could play again. But during that time period, I wasn't really sure how long I was going to have off the court and how long I wasn't going to be able to play tennis and how if that tennis journey for myself was really going to end and that's when I really decided that I wanted to start the YouTube channel so that I could have something to look back on because during that time I was trying to look back on clips of me playing and I had like one or two clips when I was younger a little bit of training but like no matches and then when I was watching like the other YouTubers out there like Felix, Mishka, um, Jules, Mary, My Tennis HQ and seeing every single video that they had up there thinking if they have like a 10, 15, 20 year career, imagine how cool it would be to have like your whole journey documented throughout the YouTube and be able to look back and see how you progress different matches that you played. So that was the main reason for starting the YouTube channel. That is such a heartfelt story. And it's so good to see you come out the other side of that. You know, how much uh, production time is going into each video that, that you're making? It does take a while. So I try and edit my videos quite a lot, um, doing different graphics and stuff. So for the, like the graphic intense videos, I'd say it's probably like an hour per minute, I'd say it takes to do it. Um, and then obviously you've got to make the thumbnails, you've got to do um, all of like the audio processing, taking the videos as well. So, I mean, I kind of do it in like four nights and some of them I do like two or three all nighters trying to do it, which I guess isn't great for when you're trying to play a tournament or something, but for the moment, it's all right. That's unbelievable, the the time commitment, the the man hours that you have to, to put into into making great content. That's, uh, that's I'm, I'm shocked by by that number that, you know, it's an hour, hour a minute, but, you know, ultimately you're, you're putting out great videos and, you know, you can see the, the hard work that's going into it. 
no, that's but that's awesome. No, I, I mean, I, I like the channel. It's it's great content. Um, and and how are you planning on like, get continuing it once you're playing tournaments? You're going to get like match footage and and things like that. Yeah. So the idea is once I start playing more tournaments, then I'll tailor the videos more towards the actual matches. Um, trying to do maybe like a bit of like I guess like behind the scenes sort of stuff, like a bit of like the warm up and like my thought process going to the matches. Um, but yeah, it'll be mainly match play and then my journey like playing on the future circuit basically. That's awesome. I, I can't wait for that for that content to to come out. What what interactions do you get from from fans and people that watch the YouTube? What you know what does it what does it sort of look like? <laughs> it's funny to hear you say fans. Like <laughs> I think the first video that really took off for me was the one where I announced that like I was essentially starting my journey to try and get some ACP points and like really starting like my mini series on my channel as it were. Um, and seeing the amount of support in the comment set comment section like absolutely blew my mind. Like there was like. I think about 50 comments of people like doing like paragraphs telling me about their own journey like being supportive and it's crazy to see like the amount of people that really want to support you like who know nothing about you i think that's really cool obviously you get like a little bit of hate as well but i'd say it's probably like 90 percent nice comments like 10 percent a little bit of hate what sort of hate can you get for a video like that i, I have no i can't even fathom why someone wants to give hate to that <laughs> i think some comments were something like you ain't got the facilities for pro tennis man or like just give up just like random stuff like that but i mean like oh, okay. when it's like completely outweighed by like the amount of people like being supportive it's you kind of just ignore it that's crazy i will say the thumbnail for that video with like the the silhouette with the bag was was unreal yeah. i like that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah then when i was making it i was thinking like how am i going to do this and like it sounds so cringy when you're like actually making it like set up like a little tripod to try and like take a picture i'm like pretending to walk out the door of my house with the bag on and then like cutting it in in photoshop it's just like this is stupid but when i finished it i thought oh, it actually looks okay um have you always been like a creative person like outside of tennis like growing up was that something you had passion for yeah for sure i've always been like really i really like creative stuff like music i like I, I play the drums i do a bit of like music producing on the side as well just for a bit of fun um yeah i, I always like creative stuff i remember when i was really much younger at school like doing like the gcse like ICT computer stuff and you have to like do the like presentation like everyone else was like spending like two minutes on it I spent like 10 hours on it for like no reason but just to make it look good but yeah I, I've always liked computer stuff and like creating artsy kind of things. That's awesome so I guess you know moving on from you know well, it's going to be documented on YouTube obviously but I guess the actual tennis side of it the, the you know trying to get you know points and GoPro what is your your plan starting out you know and you did go over it in that video that it's tough because you know just of how the criteria for getting into IGF tournaments is what what's your yeah. plan to, to actually get there so I'm gonna enter basically as many tournaments as I can each week at the moment and I think you can enter up to like six or seven and then see how far out on the entry list I am I think at the moment like the closest I've been getting in before the freeze deadline is about 80 out which is just too far for me to travel and spend the money to actually go there I think if I'm inside 20 um alternate then I'll go sign in and give it a go um so spending the next month just entering, seeing where I am on the entry list. If I get close, I'll get in, I'll go travel and then try and sign in, see if I get in. But then I, over the next month or so, if I'm not getting in, then I'm going to have to like do pre-qualifying. I know there's quite a lot of pre-qualifying tournaments in Turkey. So that would be my number one priority, I think, um, in a couple of months time. What places would you, like, are you targeting to go? Like, obviously, Europe is probably the most competitive, I'd say, maybe the, the United States yeah. as well. Like. Is yeah, there like a place where you're like, oh, I can get torn in Africa, like I'm absolutely going to go? Um, the only trouble with those ones is that like it's so expensive to go there, right? And then mm -hmm. you get there, 
and then you get some points which is great and then you're able to get into some tournaments in the future um maybe someone's in europe but if you can't compete at the level of the tournaments in europe then you're not gonna you're gonna struggle even if you scrape one point here or there you need to be at the level to be able to compete all around the world so i think the ones in turkey are probably my priority right now yeah no that, that's that's great and what sort of budget you think working with week to week like what what would you anticipate spending on you know let, let's say you go to turkey for two weeks what's what um i think i'm trying to do one tournament in like 300 to 600 pounds i reckon is my budget for one tournament like traveling abroad um ideally you want it closer to like the 300 side of things but you just sort of know really with like travel costs and then like getting to the like airport to the hotel for example and then you've got the stringing and then things like that i think the all-inclusive places are better because they give you the deals but sometimes you think tournaments can be cheap you go there and then you end up spending loads of money on expenses that you didn't really plan about jake will agree with me on this but that sort of cost is out of this world for like we we wouldn't be able to go from charlotte where we, we are to florida for less than 800 dollars round trip just really? in, in a flight alone yet I mean, like a lot of times it will be more expensive, but if you're really trying to budget it, I think like 300 would be like the minimum, but I think average would probably be about 500. Get on an easy jet, fly B kind of yeah. flight and just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's Ryanair still about. Yeah, that's like my number one. That's why I always go for Ryanair first and look for flights. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, that's awesome. And what would define success like of this journey? So obviously I set the goal is trying to get ATP points. Um, but really for me, I think, especially after I did a few videos talking to some of my other players like Carousel from my tennis HQ and he was like, and Simon, Simon um, from the YouTube channel as well. Um, they really just made me think about how getting the points shouldn't be like your priority and it should be like a byproduct of what you want to achieve. So especially after the heart stuff as well, I think just like being on the court and just like enjoying spending every day on the court and having the main priority of like getting better as a player. So like, if this time next year I'm performing better against UTR players who are like similar or a bit better, then that's going to be a win. Just like each year trying to progress a little bit. And then if I get the points, I get the points. It's great. Um, but then if not, then it's, it's just about trying to enjoy being on the court and trying to improve the best I can. Indeed. I, I think that's some really good advice you got there. And did you play ITFs like when you were junior? I did a few of them. And then we decided as a family to try and save some money for the futures when I'm a bit older. I played them and that was sort of where I realized where I didn't want to be a professional tennis player because I just, all I cared about was getting an ITF point. So I think, yeah, that, yeah. I think I mean, I definitely could have benefited from your perspective of just yeah. trying to get the most out of tennis. Yeah, I think like it's with anything in life, right? If you focus on results too much, then you're going to get too stressed and then you're not really going to be able to perform and enjoy it the way that you want to. So like yeah. obviously getting points is like a dream, like having like that ATP ranking next to your name is like what everyone dreams of, right? But just thinking about trying to improve on a day-to-day -day basis what can i do today to become a better tennis player and doing that every single day for the next few years hopefully the points will come as a byproduct of that no i i, I think that's that's great avoid it becoming a job i guess would be yeah there. exactly 100 yeah um so uh, you know i guess a, a trickier question here is you know if you a year from now if two caveats you know the first one if, if you're unranked in a year's time what would be the plan then just to carry on. I mean, to be honest, I don't really have a time limit for this goal. I want to try and play competitively until my like mid thirties, like late forties. Like, I don't know if you saw, I did a video where I played against a guy called VJ, who's just broken the top 100 and he broke the top 100 for the first time. I think it was like 37 years old in doubles. Mm -hmm. So he's like been playing competitively like, on the future circuit pretty much for the last like 15 years. And he had that goal of getting top 100, he did it when he was 37. So I think as long as I can financially sustain myself playing competitively, YouTube, 
I guess will help a little bit with that. Um, then yeah, I'm going to play for as long as I can. If it takes me 10 years to get a point, then I'll carry on doing that. Nice. No, that, that's awesome. There's a there's a book uh, called Chasing Points. <laughs> I haven't read it, but I did find it because originally I wanted to call my series Chasing ATP Points, and I was like, dude, I was literally about to go with that. So. Before I did baseline to pro, I was going to have chasing ATP points. And I said, I thought, I'll just give a quick Google search, check that no one else had that, has that name. And I saw the book pop up and I was like, oh, I've got to change it now. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's a good book, though. It's it's I'd recommend reading it. Like, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of crazy. That, I mean, it's a different time. Like it was it's the, the way tennis works now. It's different. But it, yeah. it was cool. Like the guy was like working a full time finance job and like traveling the world, playing playing yeah. tournaments. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I definitely have to give it a read probably. Yeah. Um, and the other side of that is, you know, if you're in a year's time, you're 800 in the world. Like what what would be the, the change of perspective for you there? I think I think it's going to sound a bit boring, but I think I'm just going to go back to the same process, same thought process, trying to get a bit better every day and not really focus on the ranking too much. I think just like, yeah, if you're 800 in the world, that's amazing. And it's cool. You can tell people that like in 20 years time, people, oh, I was the 800 best tennis player in the world. But like at the end of the day, I think it's important for all players to realize how meaningless tennis actually is. I think when I was a kid, like I grew up thinking tennis, 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 and that was like my whole life. And then, as I said before, when I had that heart problem, I was thinking like, wow, there's actually a lot more to life than tennis, right? You hit a tennis ball in some random lines on the court on like a random place in the world. And then you take away like all of like the drama and everything that you put behind tennis. And you realize that what you're doing is actually pretty strange. You're hitting a racket with a ball and putting it in some lines. So I think especially when you're like in the pressure point of the match, I go back to thinking that thinking, wow, that's just going to help me relax being like, I'm just gonna have fun on the court and just try and do my best and realize that tennis isn't everything and that doesn't mean that like my focus isn't trying to become a good tennis player and like tennis is important to me of course tennis is important but remembering that there's more to tennis actually helps you relax and perform better on the court. I, I relate to that comment that when like tennis is everything like tennis 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 to like, yeah. like the umpteenth degree like as a junior that was like my entire life like and I, yeah. I put so much like pressure on that, like how cool yeah. I thought someone was, completely depending on how good they were at tennis. Yeah, like oh, it's so I, weird. You get in this silo yeah, or this. You speak to someone who's like top ten in the country, and you think, oh wow, like I really respect that person, which you do, obviously, because they're a good tennis player. But like your worth as a person doesn't equate to how good you are at tennis. But I think a lot of juniors do think that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Did did things change for you like like instantly with the, with with the heart stop? Was that like did it just was it? the second you couldn't play tennis was when it changed or was it when you got back out on the court? No, it was during that time period where I couldn't actually play. And I was thinking like, wow, like if I could go back on the court, I would have approached things so much differently, which I did when I came back and played some tournaments. Like the first tournament back I played was like a grade four and like in the UK. And as you will know, people in America will, won't know that, but grade four is like probably quite like a low level tournament, right? In the UK. And I, mm. I was playing it and it was just like so freeing to step on the court and just play without all of that, like, like packaging that you put behind tennis as a junior and just step on the court it just felt really free it's quite hard to explain unless you actually experience it no no but that's uh you know it sounds like it's i know you speak quite freely about tennis like not much pressure like that's it's quite yeah. good to see in someone that you know not many people can do that yeah it's a similar thing to people who like stop tennis and then start coaching and then go back to playing competitively you hear so many stories about people who played a lot of um tournaments got to a certain ranking and then they gave up did a bit of coaching came back and then performed so much better if you take like marcus willis for example when he like reached wimbledon it's the same feeling of like you just have less pressure and just a bit more knowledge and maturity and in the way that you approach the game no i think that you know that's great i'm, I'm pivoting slightly a little, a little bit here 
you know, how, how are you? Are you coaching on the side? Are you working a you know a nine to five job and training in the evenings? Yeah, so I I'm lucky enough to train and coach at the same place. So I'm at the Delgado and Lee Pro Tennis Academy, and I'm one of the coaches there. Um, I cut down my hours a little bit to what I was doing last year, but I'm I'm essentially a part-time coach here, and then training and hitting with the juniors here the rest of the time. Uh, Jacob can attest to this, but I, the one thing when I came to America was I was so surprised how much tennis coaches get paid here compared to yeah, in, in Hampshire. Was, I probably had the the coach that was you know most people wanted, and it was like thirty-five an hour. And I come yeah. here, and you, I mean it's like fifty an hour. Crazy yeah, the, yeah. the difference. Yeah, no, I've heard some of my friends who have gone to American Uni and they've like they're players and they just do a bit of hitting or a bit of coaching on the side during break and they're telling me like how much they're charging. It's like oh, that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jacob, what, what, can you can you explain a bit like why that's allowed? Uh, yeah, I would say it, it kind of comes down to the fact that there are just so many uh, players that have at least a little bit of tennis knowledge. Like, there's so many country clubs and. I don't know, like pretty much the entire United States that there's almost a guarantee that you're going to have some coaches that are good and some coaches that have no experience. So it's kind of like the I think the market is just skewed up towards the more expensive areas. Like one of our friends uh, that played at Belmont Abbey, Zach Blaith, coaches at a, a club down in Naples. And then he also works up in Nantucket, kind of depending on this, uh, the time of the season. But those are some of the higher end clubs in the United States, and they can charge a, you know, a pretty hefty fee for uh, lessons per hour versus, you know, the standard coaches where I would say even 50 to $60 an hour here is relatively cheap compared to a lot of the nicer clubs in the U.S. So it, uh, it's, it's interesting just kind of looking at how, how wide the, the ranges of costs. But, like, I was actually really surprised when George was mentioning before about how his coach back home used to only charge 30 pounds or 35 pounds an hour. That seemed like a extremely low cost to me because that's really the only price you can find here in the United States would be for like maybe a, a group session or like a two hour clinic or something like that. When I would come back for summers, I would charge 15 to 20 max. And that would you know, be for like an hour and a half lesson or a hit. That was all I was able to charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, like when I coach now if I'm just doing an individual private lesson is normally 50 to 60 but if I just do like a a hitting session with someone where I do basically no coaching just hit with the player I can charge $35 an hour pretty easily and the the people think that's a good deal and if you wouldn't like spitball numbers like that out in England like most of the parents there would just polite terms but they would they they would tell you where to go (laughs) yeah and and $35 here is a, a pretty good deal compared to some of the country clubs where you might go and they charge 90 an hour for a lesson or you may do like a junior clinic or something and it's 75 dollars for an hour and a half and it's a group of like 30 kids with you know minimal instruction for each player so it's a it's a pretty big uh gap i would say compared to the two countries interesting stuff um, we'll, we'll pivot here a little bit. Um, obviously, Jacob and I both went to, to college tennis. Jacob's American, so that, that's more logical for, for him. But I think for most British guys, you, you have, kind of have an option, right? Um, whether you, you know, stay, go to British uni or, you know, go to the States if, if you want to continue playing. Um, can you tell us about, you know, your route and, you know, what options you had and the decisions you made? 
Yeah, so I debated between going to a US college and staying in the UK for quite a long time. Um, I think the US and playing college tennis is like an incredible thing and loads of, I advise quite a lot of the players that I coach to try and go down that route as well because I think you get a really good um, experience playing with great players and you're able to play with like if you go to a good college like people who are like UTR 11, 12, 13 like day in day out which is like quite hard to do if you go to like a British uni or you just try and train in the UK but for myself in particular um, I decided to stay in the UK and carry on training at the academy that I'm at now um, the university that I went to was quite close by so I stayed on site at my academy trained here and then did my lectures and then played the national British tour tournaments around the UK um, I also had a gap year which I don't think you're allowed to do if you go to the US you can correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong yeah no, exactly. you're not. so I was I was really wanted to do do a gap year and just play tournaments all year round and just do quite a lot of training so I think that was the main reason why I didn't go and um, end up doing my degree in the UK and came out of that and trying to approach the future circuit now um but yeah i go playing futures and trying to get atp points was always going to be a longer term thing for me because like when i was a junior i was never really top in the country for my age so i knew that going straight to um uh playing the futures was wasn't going to happen straight away so now i'm 25 now is really the time for me to go at it but yeah i think if i went back i, I wouldn't have said i wouldn't go to college i could have gone to college but yeah it, it was a toss-up decision i just decided, decided to stay in the uk no, that's a, I think that's the thing about tennis. Like I was kind of looking at this, like the top 50 the other day, no one has the same journey, but they're all in the same place. And that's kind of the cool thing that, that I like about it. Yeah, exactly. hundred um, percent. What was the the matches like? Did, did you do the, the beat, the, the Bucks matches? For yeah, my, my university wasn't in the top division, so I didn't have the strongest of opponents. I got a few good matches here and there for good players that did the same thing that I did, but generally the league wasn't the strongest but it was still fun to do and I did play the Bucks individuals as well so you all you play against all of the different players it's like an individual tournament with all of the universities I don't know if the US system has something similar do you have like uh, yeah something similar like that it's like yeah. once a year yeah so that's essentially like a men's national tournament so I qualified for that and then lost in the main draw for that which was which was a good experience and it's quite fun yeah no what what can you tell us like what a, a like a team match day looks like um in that system yeah um as in like what what you do on the day-to-day -day basis when you go play matches talk us through a match they say matches at 3 p.m in the afternoon yeah. to be honest it was pretty pretty chill out where i was you just turned up like now before you did like a little practice if you went away then you drive to the location and then you play your matches you played one singles and one doubles and then you worked it out from there if you won the match um but yeah we we didn't play any matches where we had to like travel far or stay overnight anywhere so it would literally just be turning up like 45 minutes before the matches doing like a warm-up a hit and then just playing a couple matches and going back home see that would have been how i would have liked to do matches like just the way i played tennis like quite individual like i like my own space before the match but yeah. in in america they almost force you to be with the whole team for hours right. before the you know it's oh, like it's meeting meeting the locker at two hours before the before the match yeah. you know you got to eat lunch with each other eat breakfast yeah. you know that oh, was yeah. i think it's a cultural <laughs> thing but yeah there's, there's nothing like that when you ask the question i was like do, do, you, do you just want to tell me to like how, how i approach like the match but now you say that and explaining what it's like for the in america yeah no it's, it's nothing like that i kind of just approach it just like a normal tournament and then you just like when you go to tournament you find someone to hit with and you just hit with your, like, your team for like half an hour before the match yeah well did you did many guys like come out and support like was it you know no 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 one really you just had like your team with you and then maybe like a couple of friends here and there who travel with you or come down to 
to the matches. I mean, in the UK, you know that football and rugby are more of the bigger sports. So whenever the tennis course at my union was right next to the rugby pitch, so you'd have like all the people cheering, like running down there, being all drunk, trying to support the rugby. So we're just trying to concentrate on our match whilst ignoring that at the same time. No, that was uh, that, that's funny. I, interesting now that you do kind of the same thing, like university sports, like people just get drunk and come watch like that. It, like in America, they would have like softball games and people would just show up drunk. Like any any opportunity to show up drunk and support, it was like pounced upon. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, an interesting, you know, kind of news story that's come out this week is of Murray probably not looking like he's going to play past the Olympics. Um, obviously, we we kind of grew up on him. He was, you know, big influence in, you know, sure. my tennis career. I assume yours too. Um, what's that? What's that like to be involved in in the system now that you know such a figurehead's kind of moving on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's obviously quite sad watching one of your idols stop playing tennis. I mean, I think we all had the same thing when Federer announced his retirement as well, and I'm sure ours is pretty soon too. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of promising tennis players in the UK coming up, especially on the double side of things. I think the UK is one of the most, well, probably the strongest doubles country in the world, I'd say. Um, but on the single side, obviously, we've got Norrie up there. Jack Draper is probably the next massive thing, I reckon. I reckon he's going to do really well, probably get a Grand Slam soon, is my prediction. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the, the reaction to Draper? Like, you know, when Murray was younger, it was obviously a lot of criticism. Uh, right. What's... What's it like for for Drapers? He he does seem to pull out a lot of tournaments. I can't imagine that goes down too well with, you know, British public. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think the media is more focused on Radhikanu than on Jack Draper. To be honest, um, I think she gets a, quite a lot of unfair criticism sometimes when she is pulling out tournaments for injury and whatnot. But I think generally it's pretty supportive for Jack Draper. I haven't seen anything that. It's too negative for him. He has pulled out of a few, but I think he does have some incredible results as well. So I think generally it's pretty positive. Yeah, it does. No, I, I he's he's like one of those guys that like when he's fit, like you know, he he pretty much guaranteed to go to the semis or the final of these tournaments. It's, I mean, I think I saw this. He's up to like 37 this week. So as soon as he can get yeah. inside that top 32 for slams, he's going to be rolling mainstay. I mean, I remember watching a YouTube video. I can't remember how old he was. I think it was like 15 or something. And there was this guy going around filming um, like tournaments in the UK and there was the Futures. And it was the one where he got his first ATP points. And it was like this 15 year old just honestly, he played against someone who was ranked 1000 and just winners left, right, and center. And I remember watching him YouTube being like, oh my God, this is next level stuff. This 15 year old is yeah. like laughing winners with his back end down the line running off the court. Like I was mind blown when I watched that video. So I, from then I knew that he was going to be right up at the top. That, that guy was at the London Tennis Tube. That was yeah. the account. Yeah, what happened to that guy? I used to love that guy's videos. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know where his channel is now. I don't, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I never actually met the guy. But like, it, like anytime you ever wanted to play someone, especially in the yeah. London area, you just type the name in and it'd just be footage of, of, of them. Yeah, to, no. he to filmed scout. one of my matches once. I played a um a grade three. I think he filmed one of them. So I met him one time, but I don't know what happened to the channel. Yeah, I, I, never, I never met him. Was the video of Draper the the one that's like indoors at the NTC or the one? There's there some that's outdoors too, right? When he plays uh, Antoine yeah, yeah. Scoffley. I think one, yeah, yeah, that was a couple of weeks later, but the one I saw was like a week or so before. It was the indoor one. Yeah, well, he, I, don't, I don't know who the guy was, but it was like 0-2. Like it just yeah, crazy. He had 80 points, but and that's what I thought was crazy. He made him look like someone like he was just like first round qualifier and just like trying to play like his first features but the guy had points and he like absolutely destroyed him yeah no it was crazy i, me- I remember when uh, he was like 11 and i would have been like 
15. I played him two weeks back to back. And the first week out, oh, and one, I was like, okay, the guy's not very good. What's all the fuss about? And he came back like two weeks later. It was just an absolute joke. Just leaning his backhand cross court. Took me to the woodshed, as Chip likes to call it. Carved me up like a slice of meatloaf. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I think, it, you know, if, if he wasn't coming through, then maybe a bit of trouble because it looks like Evans and Norig, I don't, it hate, pains me to say it, but maybe a little bit on the decline now. They've probably hit their, their ceilings, but you know, we kind of need that next big thing. Yeah, I think Drake is definitely on the way up there. Uh, what sort of guys are you, are you playing with when you're, when you're training? Like any names that, you know, I would know, Jacob would know? Um, most of the kids that I'm playing with at the moment are like around 17. So it's the juniors at the academy and I'm hitting with them quite a bit. Um, sometimes, I don't know, I hit VJ, you probably don't know him, but he's mm. the doubles player who's on my channel. I hit with him whenever he's back and then occasionally play with people like Alexis Cantor. Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember him. I'm, I, I didn't know he was still playing, to be honest, but I, in juniors, he was always like top 10. Yeah, yeah. So he he's still playing competitively, and whenever he's back in the UK, I try and message him to hit with him as well. But yeah, he's still traveling to loads of futures. Yeah, no. He, he, who's like the 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 best guy from your county, right? From Oxfordshire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I don't know, man. Don't, don't take offense. Oxfordshire wasn't the best county uh, <laughs> growing up. I don't know what it's like now, though. No, I don't. I don't know too much. But now, but I remember those county cups were fun though. Under 18s were definitely my favorite. Yeah, are you? Do you play the uh, the grass court county cup men's? Yeah, I've done that once or twice. I haven't played any in the last couple of years. I haven't played any since probably 2022 after the heart thing. But yeah, I'll be I'll be up for playing some more. They're quite fun. Yeah, no, I was uh, I used to hate grass, but I don't know how you feel about <laughs> grass. Everyone, everyone here is like, oh, you must love grass. You're British, and I'm like, no, it's yeah, no, that's what everyone cool. says. But it's like when you're like five, eight and a half, it's not the best surface for you, is it? <laughs> And also the, uh, you know, most of the grass, everyone thinks of every grass court in England is like Wimbledon, but mostly it's like, you know, just like a football pitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is not the best. <laughs> Jacob, I don't know if you wanted to, uh, to ask Cam anything. I think I really got a good sense of where you're, where you're at now, and where you're trying to go. And I think it's, uh, I just, I really like the mindset you have of, you know, taking every day as just a new opportunity to, you know, continue playing tennis and enjoying the game. And I think that's yeah. that's the way to do it. Because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then it's not really worth doing at the end of the day. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, no, when you get the points, man, come back on. Come back on. <laughs> see, <laughs> For see, sure. See, see you in a Don't couple months. Don't know how long it's going to be. It might be years time, might be 12 years time, but I'll come back on or when I get it. a couple months, man. Stay, <laughs> stay optimistic. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. No, it was really fun. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll have to we'll have to get on the uh, we'll have to get in a video. We'll have to sneak in a video somewhere. Yeah, hundred percent. Best of luck. Join us next Sunday as the full contingent, myself, Chip, and Jacob discuss the first week's action. Uh, Indian Wells will be doing a draw predictor challenge, so uh, expect things to get a little bit heated. Some uh, good debating. Uh, we will see you then. As always, I've been George Buffett. And I'm Jacob Andrews. And remember, always go around the net post. Oh, yeah.